Is something happening in May? Let's talk about it. Happy Friday, friends. It has been another lockdown week. We've all been stuck inside. Uh, we're being told not to drink alcohol, although that is not stopping me. And we're hanging out with family and, well, family and no friends, but just family. But here we are. Hopefully you are surviving. Hopefully you're doing all right. Hopefully you're mentally and physically okay. But we've got a podcast to talk about. We've got life to talk about. We've got some Xbox stuff. We've got some Surface stuff. And let's just dive in this week to some of the news. Some of the news hitting the highlights this week. Uh, Microsoft is becoming the official AI partner of the NBA. This is probably building on some of the success or mostly success of the NFL. The NFL has actually worked out pretty well, I believe, in the Surface brand favor. Now, we don't fully know how Microsoft and the NBA are going to be working together yet, but there's part of me that wonders if Amazon had a play in this. Now, you're wondering about Amazon. How does they, how do they play in this? Well, look at the NFL. Uh, the NFL has AWS as part of their AI partnership and all that data stuff. And so I bet Microsoft looked at that and said, hey, hey, maybe we should do that for somebody else since we can't do the NFL. And so they inked the deal with the NBA and obviously with the what is happening out in the world right now, wondering when uh, you know professional sports seasons are going to kick back off again is a big unknown. But Microsoft and the NBA will be working closer together going forward to bring out some of that data and using Microsoft's AI that they love to talk about just oh so much. Uh, if you are still running Windows 7, and you probably shouldn't be, but you are using Edge, uh, the, the new Edge on that, Microsoft is saying that, hey, it will be officially supported until mid-2021, uh, so just keep that in mind. I don't think that if you're running Windows 7 at this point um, unsupported, you really care about if a browser is supported. Uh, I suspect maybe this is more of like an enterprise thing, but there you go. So you got until mid-2021 uh, for Windows 7 version of the new Edge. Microsoft also announced this week, it was sort of oddly announced, but they've announced that the May 2020 update, which is typically supposed to be one of those larger updates that will be arriving in May, is officially done and signed off. And so they are slowly, slowly starting to roll it out to the release preview ring, which I don't know how many people are actually in that, and Microsoft will never tell us. <clears throat> but... Uh, yeah, so that is starting to happen slowly, and then sometime in the month of May, they will make it more broadly available. It's a cautious approach. I'm not uh, opposed to that. It's just, it's a, it's like weird to announce something is going to release preview and not release, and they won't tell us an actual date uh, for when it is going to hit broad availability, but keep on the lookout for that if you're in the release preview ring. That will be coming down the pipeline here in the near-ish future. So uh, other political things, which I'm trying to avoid for the most part, but the DOD uh, did clear that Microsoft's Jedi contract, which is a $10 billion initiative uh, for Microsoft, has cleared. They can continue working on it and sending those delicious invoices over to Washington and getting them paid for building out that infrastructure. So uh, Amazon lost its rebuttal on that. Microsoft also announced for Teams this week that Teams can now show nine participants in a view. Like, think if you know what the Brady Bunch is, and I suspect there might be some people listening to this who do not, but if you know that Brady Bunch grid, you can now do that. Previously, you could only have four participants streaming video, or you could only see four participants, I should say, uh, prior to this update, and now you can do nine. Uh, Microsoft is promising more. This is somewhat in reaction to Zoom, who allows up to an impressive 49 uh, streams at once, or participant view at once, and Microsoft will be updating there. It's the interesting thing here, or not so interesting thing, depending on how you look at it, is that the, the first request in the Microsoft uh, feedback forums for this, I believe was back in like 2016, and they just now got on their horse and made this available. Uh, I'm sure there's some reason, I don't know if it's bandwidth related or whatever, that they were not doing this functionality, but with pressure from Zoom, they are now doing that. So 
Uh, other things. So Surface 2, or Surface Go 2, I should say, Surface Book 3, and some other peripherals, I believe, uh, have started showing up in retail databases around the world. And information is good. They've gone through the FCC. They've gone through a bunch of other things. So here's, I know I've been talking about this. I, I talked about all the specs like a month and a half ago or whatever it was. It doesn't really matter. So here's, here's the deal. Um, things are, because of the given environment, things are taking a little bit longer to get to market. And, and we know this because Microsoft historically, now I know they have had leaks, I'm not discounting that, but historically they've been pretty good about getting information to retailers on a very regimented pattern, getting them the databases, the prices and all that stuff that they need to preload into their system on a predefined, uh, timeline and then making sure that all the pieces are in place so that they can have a successful and smooth launch. Now, sometimes those uh, distributing out of information to retailers has leaked out, uh, sometimes on images, sometimes on pricing and all that good stuff. That doesn't really matter. What I'm trying to get here is that Microsoft has a process that says, hey, if we're going to launch an X date, working backwards, we need to have information to retailers by Y. And so what we're seeing here is that retailers have this information. They have the information to go for a launch, but it's not launching. We know this because the products aren't out. Microsoft hasn't announced them. The products aren't out. There's just, you can't go buy a Surface Go 2 yet, but you can go see uh, the specs of it. You can go see the pricing of it. What I'm trying to hint at here or tell you is that things have been delayed a bit. And that is not shocking given the current environment, the lack of the ability to basically travel. Um, there's been logistical concerns. Things have been pushed back. Now, I don't think they're pushed back like extremely long. I don't think we're looking at like a summer launch of the Surface Go 2 or the Surface Book 3. I bet we see them here uh, in the next couple weeks. And so I'm pretty confident on that. Just keep holding on and just know that the things are in place. Microsoft had, I believe, intended to launch them by now, given the information that is at retailers and based on the stages of where things are in the life cycle of a launch product. Um, big mouthful there. But just know that they are coming. I know a lot, I get, keep getting asked all the time, like, when when is the Surface Book 3 coming? Just keep holding on. You should be seeing, you should be able to buy it in May. I think it's a pretty confident way to say that. So uh, keep that. And Surface Go 2, I think, will fall in line with that. With the major caveat that um, things are still fluid given the current market. But there you go. Uh, speaking on the Apple side of life, they made some news this week. Uh, Apple's Music's web player comes out of beta. Now, that doesn't sound really all that exciting or whatever. Effectively, what it allows you to do is in a non-beta experience, now you can use Apple Music on your PC without having to download iTunes. And if you haven't used iTunes lately, you're lucky and keep that streak alive because there is no reason you want to download iTunes because it is a bloated piece of garbage. And so uh, Apple also made big news this week and I'm actually pretty, I'm, I'm optimistic about this. They made uh, the announcement about the 399 iPhone SE. This is a good phone for 399 bucks, primarily because it comes with the A13 processor, which is the same one you get in their high-end flagships right now. The reason why I say this is a good value is because Apple typically supports uh, the software updates on a device based on the processor. T typically, not perfect, but typically that's how it works. And considering that they're giving their low-end entry-level phone their highest-end processor means it should be supported for quite a while. Now, it does lack 5G, but I think you're going to be fine without 5G for at least a year, if not two years. So if you're looking for an entry-level phone, this is what I would call like, if I if the iPhone is the Toyota Camry or Honda Accord, this is uh, the Honda Civic, if you will. It's not, you're not going to get all the bells and whistles, but it's just going to be a good, just well-rounded phone. It's not the, you're going to find better phones for, uh, in one specific area for the same pricing, but as a general 
computing phone device, a 399 iPhone is a heck of a deal. Um, and so if you're, if you're in that market, I, I haven't used one personally, obviously nobody has yet. Uh, it does look like on paper, a very good value on to the gaming news of the week. I was going to say du jour, but of the week, uh, Microsoft has released Minecraft with ray tracing. And I got to tell you, it looks pretty fantastic. Now I unfortunately do not have a ray tracing RTX card for my PC, but I've been watching the videos of the updates and it looks good. Um, the reason why I'm optimistic about this is we all know the next generation consoles are going to be bringing RTX or ray tracing support at a hardware level, especially the Series X. Looks like a beast on paper for ray tracing. And so all that glitter and that glam, that functionality will be coming soon to your Xbox games natively here. Ooh, in about what, like six to eight months from when that Series X is expected to launch. Also, Microsoft is teasing something for 420, and it's not probably what you're thinking. Uh, the, if you go to xbox.com, you'll see it's kind of like a video overlay thing that pops up on the site that teases an announcement for 420. If you slow the frames down, you can actually see that there's an, a silhouette of an Xbox Series X console. And then thanks to, I believe it was Amazon, uh, Can the Canadian Amazon website, they leaked the whole dang thing. And it's a cyberpunk themed xbox one x and so it looks pretty good it looks good um I, I don't know why my my challenge here is i don't know why you would buy a one x right now granted microsoft has cut the price recently and it's a good console there's nothing wrong with it but if you've got three four hundred bucks that you're going to plop down for a console why not just save it until um you know this I was going to say the fall, the late fall and buy yourself a next generation console and you'll get a lot more value out of that out of a, a long term and a long run. The other big rumor floating around, I've been asked this about a whole bunch. It says Microsoft is rumored to be preparing two major Xbox digital events for May and June. Um, so here's what I know. I know that Microsoft is preparing events for around those timelines. The reason why I'm not like screaming this is incredibly accurate is Microsoft's definition of a major event varies dramatically across the org. Some inside the company might say, hey, look, we have Xbox.com, a very popular and powerful brand name, and we just threw up a video that overlays everybody who's going to it. That is considered a major event, depending on if you're on a web dev team. So is Microsoft preparing Xbox stuff for May and June? Yes, they absolutely are. And I believe some of it is related to next generation and uh, console information and just they're going to be talking about it explicitly what they're going to be talking about yet i don't know but but it does look like things are are obviously planned microsoft had things lined up for e3 and may and june obviously encapsulate that time period so there is some accuracy to it i can't explicitly say how accurate or how large it is i mean at this point the big things we don't know about are lockhart what's the status of that pricing and and uh pre-order dates those are kind of the big things so keep on the lookout microsoft is definitely planning xbox stuff for those months i just don't know how big they are on the scale of what is microsoft's scale of big if that makes sense so a bunch of good questions this week going to go through them as we speak here i do tweet the link out you can follow me on twitter at bd sams and that's where the best place to find this is it says Gotham says, uh, since Surface Neo is not coming this year, do you think if it is coming next year, it will have an updated design or will it have the same uh, advertised design? I believe the design is not expected to change. I would be surprised. Granted, Microsoft hasn't officially told us yet that the Surface Neo is not coming this year. I suspect that when they do their digital launch of whatever the Surface Book 3, they might be giving us an update on Windows 10X and Surface Neo at that time. We don't fully know yet, but I'm not expecting a design change because that would be 
implying that there's a considerable rework of the hardware, which that's a pretty accelerated push um, at this time. Simon says, have you tried accessing your outlook.com via the Gmail app? No, I have not. Um, currently I'm using Outlook Mail on my iPhone. I'm, I don't love the app, but maybe I will give that a try. I really particular about email apps for some reason. And um, I don't love the Outlook one personally. I know a lot of people do. Uh, Jay Fakara says, hey Brad, love your show. You and Paul are fantastic. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, do you know if it's possible to add multiple Gmail accounts to your Outlook.com uh, account? No, I don't actually. I tried this. So I went to it and you can add one very easily. It's a nice little button there, but I can't figure out actually how to add others. If anybody else knows how to add multiple Gmail accounts to your outlook.com account, I would actually like to know this too, because it would actually help me because I have one added, which is my primary Gmail account, but I have some others that are used for like spam and other junk uh, when signing up for services. And so adding those would actually be kind of helpful. Uh, Jay Ficar says a while back said before all the junk that is happening, Mary Jo Foley was mentioning that Scott Guthrie was not as visible as publicly as he was uh, at previously at conferences and on Twitter. Likely nothing to worry about, but thought it was curious. So there was some like kind of riffraff around how uh, Mr. Guthrie was taken off of some of the build keynotes and whatnot. I don't know personally anything. I hope that there is nothing wrong and I hope that this is just whatever. Uh, but yes, yeah, Scott has been slightly less visible lately, and I hope that all is well on his end. He's a, he's a good guy. Uh, David Allen says, hi, Brad, former tech writer myself. You have been a highlight for me in these otherwise dark times. Thank you. Well, appreciate that. You know, we're all trying to do what we can to get by here. I need a second laptop, and I've been looking at the Surface Pro 7, but given them in a wheelchair, the kickstand doesn't work out well for me on the lap. So I've been looking at the Surface Laptop 3. Are the only differences between AMD and the Intel version, the battery life, and maybe a few benchmark numbers, will the average user notice the difference? So I need to do a long-term follow-up to, I don't have it here, I've got the Surface uh, Pro X um, next to me. I need to do a long-term follow-up on the AMD 15-inch because I honestly can't recommend it. Um, I would, if you were gonna buy a Surface Laptop 3, please, please, please get the Intel version for now, um, especially the 15 inch. It, it's not just battery life, there's a really annoying feature that's all Surface products do. And you can turn it off very easily on the Intel ones, but not on the AMD version. It, I think it's called dynamic contrast or whatever it is. You can make all the settings, brightness, max and all that stuff. But when you go from a dark image to a light image, it like the screen definitely dims and I believe it's dynamic contrast or whatever that feature is called. Now, the only way to disable that on an AMD is to run the laptop at max performance, which just decimates the battery. On an Intel version, you can download the Intel uh, pack from, or driver set or whatever control utility from the Windows store, and then you can just disable it right there. It's so much easier to do. At this time for a Surface Laptop 3, grab the Intel version. It might pay a little bit more of a premium, but if you're planning on holding on to this thing for a while, you're definitely going to get more bang for your buck and you're going to be happier with it across the board. Just, just trust me on that one. Now, I'm not saying that Intel or AMD products and laptops are bad. Their new series, I think it's called the 4000U, looks fantastic. But the chip that is running in the current Surface stuff is not fantastic. It's not doesn't have the best performance and the battery life is not like you're not sacrificing performance for battery life on the AMD. You're just sacrificing battery and performance, which there's no major benefit unless you just really do not like Intel. So make sure, uh, make sure to grab the Intel version. It says, uh, Bryson says, I know you constantly bemoan the fact that you have to find, you can't find an email client that suits your needs, but I'd love to hear what you were looking for besides Newton mail, uh, living on forever. So here's, 
the kind of thing that I'm looking for is I'm looking for one application that's going to sync all of my settings between all the applications. For example, I use the mail app currently on Windows 10 and I have a signature set up for my company or my corporate fancy email and a different one set up for my personal email. When I go to use the Outlook Mail app on my phone, which is again, all Microsoft, that signature doesn't sync. So I'm looking for one email application that is going to sync all of my settings across all the different platforms that I use it on. And what's more annoying is like when I pull up the Mail app on this machine, it doesn't sync my settings from my other machines. So that is that is the bigger reason why I bemoan so much is because there's a lack of setting sync. And I jump around for machines a lot. I've got a Surface Book 2 here, a Surface Pro X here that I use while uh, outside the household, which hasn't been happening a ton lately. And just making sure that everything is always the same on every device is a pain in the butt personally. And so trying to get that all set up is is kind of the challenge so there you go uh corey says have you heard anything about the potential for the next surface dock to have a gpu option built in i think it should theoretically work since it's the same port and used as a surface book to its base so what he's talking about here is microsoft is working on a new dock for these guys uh, not not specifically this one but I don't know if it's going to have an external GPU. The eGPU, which is external GPU market, hasn't really taken off. Apple has the ability to run it on a lot of their stuff, and we haven't seen it explode in popularity yet. And there are certain Windows machines actually can do this. I believe any, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, I believe any modern Thunderbolt-enabled device should be able to support it. So will Microsoft build that into an external lock? I don't think so. Here's my reasoning why. Not that people wouldn't like it, but the reason why I think they would maybe let a third party do this is the dock is wildly popular with the corporate market. Microsoft sells a ton of machines in the corporate segment. They are very price sensitive when they're buying 50 docks at a time. They don't want to spend money on things that are not needed. And in the corporate world, many, many people do not need an external GPU. So what I would reduce from that is that if they do have an external version of a dock with an eGPU in it, they would definitely have one that does not have it in it because that's going to lower the price significantly. Because you got to remember, if you're buying an external GPU, you're also paying for that graphics card in there, which is probably at least $100 to $150 for a bare minimum, bare minimum um, bump in pricing. So it's a pretty significant bump for the dock. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I just think it might be coming from a third party if it were to happen. Michael Martinez says, with Verizon snapping up blue jeans for around $500 million, do you foresee video conferencing and work from home technology space becoming ripe for M&A and or reconsolidation? Interesting question. So if you're not familiar with blue jeans, it was kind of like a Zoom, uh, but Zoom obviously blew up in popularity. Blue jeans by all accounts appeared to be struggling based on what I have read since the acquisition went out. There's a couple, there's a, there's a lot of things going on here. Um, first off, Zoom is like an $80 billion company now, very expensive to acquire them. They're, they've almost, some people think, priced themselves out of the acquisition market, especially given what is going on. Now, there are companies like Google who could buy it, maybe like a Cisco or somebody large um, like that might go after them. All that being said, I definitely think we will see some consolidation in the startup productivity market. There's tons of them. You look at things like Notion, you look at things that like Slack. Um, there's all these kind of like small, I don't want to say mom and pop productivity. Basecamp is one of them that are the right size to be snatched up uh, during this time because cash is going to become very hard to raise for a lot of companies who are not being positive on the balance sheet, meaning that they're not cash flow positive effectively.
And so I think we might see a lot of M&A happening here. I think Michael might be onto something. Blue Jeans was the start, and we will see a lot of these other productivity apps probably fall into that wayside as companies around the globe start to look at easy ways to trim expenses that are potentially not related to headcount. Um, you can imagine if a company is spending tens of thousands of dollars on Slack and they also have Office 365, just force people into teams or potentially the inverse. If you have, if you don't need office 365 and you're using G suite, dumping all those licenses we're going to see a lot of movement here uh, around of services and companies getting really, really thin on the stack that they are using and cutting down on excess expense. And so I think he's probably right. Uh, PK driven says with meetings occurring digitally for the foreseeable future, how long before you see uh, you or Paul, Oh, how long do you see before interviewing Phil Spencer, Panos Panay, or Sachin Nadella? So here's, and this is, I don't want this to come off as like me dogging anybody else in the industry because everybody has a different way of approaching things and all that. First of all, we got to be candid here. This channel is not the New York Times. Microsoft looks for bang for buck when they grant interviews sometimes. Now, I have talked to a, I, I've talked to every single person you have just mentioned off the record. Satya, a little bit less than some of the others, but definitely Panos, definitely Phil. Um, like Brad, oh, I've done an actual interview with Brad Anderson, a bunch of these guys. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Microsoft likes people who play by the rules. They really do. I, do you blame them? They like people that kind of follow what is going on. If you're watching this channel, you know that we don't really always follow the rules about Microsoft leaking things and all that. And so it's not that they Phil would not talk to me on the record. It's whether or not Microsoft's PR people would let Phil talk to me because they don't want to promote a channel that is ruining some of their announcements, if you will. Now, that being said, Microsoft is not dumb. Microsoft is very smart and calculated at a lot of how they do this stuff. At some point, I, I hope to be able to interview these guys on the record. The challenge is, and not everybody knows this, like when you get an interview with a Satya or Phil or somebody else, a lot of times there are somewhat rules, if you will, about what questions you can ask for the interview to happen. Now, that sounds kind of weird, but imagine that Phil Spencer came on here tomorrow. They might say, hey, Brad, you can ask Phil anything you want about the Series X. Great. You cannot ask him about Lockhart or other consoles. And if you do, sure, Phil's just going to dodge the question, um, but then you're never going to get that opportunity again. And so that's just kind of how it works. And when people grant these interviews for a certain key executive on a certain site, they have an objective. They want to talk about a certain product line and they don't want you to deviate from that. And the other side, the other side, and Mary Jo uh, told me this many, many years ago, and it rings true more and more, is sometimes Microsoft will grant interviews to people about products because they won't ask the right questions, if you will. They maybe not, don't know the history or where Microsoft is going or enough of the underlying uh, issues surrounding it, and they just kind of want a softball interview. And so they will go to certain publications to get that. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't ever do a softball interview if that's sort of a weird question, but like I have an objective of an answer I'm trying to get to, and there's multiple ways to ask questions and the people that can get those answers out um, do really good and Microsoft will sometimes avoid that. And so it's an interesting way, right? You got to remember that when Microsoft creates interviews at that level to somebody, they are creating a news event. They control um, who is getting access to it, when they're getting access to it. So it's a very big power play move from Microsoft. And sometimes if they want people to follow the line and be like, hey, look, you know what? Don't screw us over for a month or three months or whatever. And we'll get let you talk to Satya or something like that. I'm, that's way out there. It's interesting. It's a, pol it's a political thing sometimes. Um, 
we'll see. You know, Phil, I know you listen to this on occasion. And so if you're listening out there, let's chat. Let's make it happen. We won't talk about Lockhart, but I'd love to ask you some things about the Series X, including the audio situation. Please let me know how the headsets are going to work natively with the console, since you don't appear to be supporting um, some of the more popular protocols, at least what we've heard, because nobody at Microsoft is talking about how... Um, you know, the headphone headset situation is going to work other than the one company that says, Hey, our existing products will work, but we haven't heard about new products. It's uh, Simon says, when do you think we will see first Ubuntu? What do you think we'll see first Ubuntu 20.04 or windows 2004? Uh, I think we'll probably end up seeing windows only because I know that we know that's coming next month. Uh, Brother Nas says, have you heard any rumors, new rumors about the Xbox Series X pricing or pre-order bonuses? I treasured my day one Xbox One. Yeah, remember the uh, the launch edition or the day one edition? Those were neat. They had the little emblazoned or embroidered or whatever you want to call it, uh, laser etched uh, writing on there. So I haven't heard anything specifically. I don't think there's going to be like any crazy bundles on day one. Microsoft is just going to sell you the console with one controller. That's pretty typical for a product launch. I'm not expecting really any special I shouldn't say I'm not expecting a special edition, meaning like I don't expect like we're going to see like a Forza edition on day one. Now we might, they might do like a day one edition again. Um, remember, other thing I'm hoping they do, remember the I Love Bees campaign from when I, was that the 360? It was kind of like a teaser, like puzzle thing. I hope they do something along those lines again. Uh, Ingormax says, uh, is there anything you could say about the upcoming Xbox hardware? It looks great. Um, I mean, we, we kind of already know the most of the story minus the, the headset audio thing, uh, which Phil, if you're still listening, please call me. Uh, so we'll go from there. Mr. PKI. Oh God. Uh, Mr. PKI comes in with the last question of the week per usual. He says your favorite question here at the end of the week is always, do you think teams is a virus that has to be removed or not? Okay. So I got it. So if you know the name Steven Sanofsky, which many of you listening to this probably do, I got into a little like. I don't, I don't want to say like a, a fight or something. So on Twitter, he tweeted out that Teams is a virus, like Microsoft Teams is a virus. Now, if you don't know Sanofsky, he has a reputation for just kind of lashing out at people and also belittling people. And he, he earned that reputation at Microsoft. And so I know this in the back of my head and I'm not, I was not trying to instigate anything. I genuinely asked why he thought Teams was a virus. And his response was that the only way to remove Teams from startup was you had to hack up the registry, which to me doesn't sound right. Now, I remember at one point, I think this was like right when Teams launched, like, like, like day one, there was no way to turn off the auto start option. And so what you had to do was you actually had to go into the registry. Now, I looked in my version of Teams and there were absolutely options to uh, just disable on startup. You hit the settings button. I think it's general and it's like disable startup. And that, that, that I rebooted my machine and it worked for me, but Sanofsky like started screaming at me saying, Hey, this is not the not thing. Are you calling me a liar or something along those lines? I can't remember exactly. And so I just bowed out and said, you know, I was just trying to help enjoy your evening or something. And then, you know, he just did his thing. And so I personally do not think teams is a virus. Uh, I, I wonder if Mr. Sanofsky has a position in Zoom or something like that. I don't know. It just seemed really odd that Teams has gotten a lot of positive press. And granted, it is not perfect. It is absolutely not perfect. There are genuine issues with Teams, but calling it a virus, that one's a little, yeah. Uh, and then he says, all seriousness, do you think Teams can really, uh, do you think the Teams can really meet the Teams uh, of the average, or meet the needs of the average consumer compared to Zoom, or will it uh, remain 
dominant only in business and education and have active directing office 365 infrastructure. So the question here is, is Teams just kind of locked to the business world and will it ever supplant Zoom? It's a really high barrier at this point to supplant Zoom. Zoom, despite the security issues, has the brand name. They have become the the Kleenex, if you will. Like we're gonna have a Zoom meeting and it might not even be Zoom anymore. It's, it could actually be FaceTime or whatever. Zoom has a very powerful brand recognition. The question becomes is after we surpass the, the current market conditions, is does Zoom have staying power? We don't know that yet. Right now, right now they're on a hot streak and they appear to be doing things right. You know, not perfectly, but they were doing things in the right direction. The question is, in five years from now, will they have enough stickiness and staying power to maintain that lead in the market? It's a good question. Microsoft obviously has the cash flow and ability to ride this out. We will find out. I don't think Teams in its current state is going to take over Zoom with the general consumer market. I don't see that happening yet. But will Zoom survive? We'll find out. I hope they do. It's better for everybody when these companies exist because then Teams has to get better. We've already seen nine participant view because of Zoom. So there you go. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. As always, genuinely appreciate the comments and the questions and everything else and tuning in. I hope that you are happy, healthy, staying at home, eating the good foods and uh, you know, just trying to be positive a little bit. We'll get through this together. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.